What's up? It's Tommy Green. You're listening to the Rev Talks podcast brought to you by the Rev Gatherings, digital tribe of up-and-comers, emerging leaders, doing our best to keep in step as the face of the church changes in our generation. If this is your first time checking out the podcast, welcome home. If you are a returning visitor, hiya. Feel free to subscribe, share it around, give us a five-star review. Tell somebody. If you like what you hear, please let us know. You can reach out to us at therevgatherings.com. Feel free to email us at therevgatherings at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. See you on the other side. Welcome back to the Rev Talks podcast, you guys. I'm so excited for you all. I hope that you take uh, a second or two after this episode to check out my dear friends TD and Veronica Benton and the White Collar Sideshow. Um, they are unique, special, different, 100% pure creativity. Um, freedom so much fun man just incredible people uh, met them probably i don't know man it has to be 10 years ago 12 years ago maybe just on tour and uh they're a full experience uh they make uh films so they have visual uh like film footage going they play music it's performance art it is so reminiscent to me of being like a young kind of like punk rock alternative kid in the early 90s they had you know like the the jim rose sideshow circuit it was just it, it's like a throwback to a, a really powerful time for me every time i get a chance to see them their message for freedom for um the power of hope and also the power of the darkness and what that can mean for people um is expressed in all of their projects and I just I just love I love them as people so anyways please check out White Collar Sideshow uh, me and TD had a chance to sort of chop it up about they, they just finished um, their latest project uh, full film and um, almost like a company soundtrack music to go with it powerful themes but just incredible people um, for all you weirdos and nuts and freaks and geeks um, that it's like man are, are there am i alone the answer is no um there's a whole lot of us that are just weirdo creatives man and there's something really beautiful every time i get a chance to talk to td so i'm excited to share this conversation with you guys uh without further ado i give you white collar sideshow td td benton you're on yep. the rev talks podcast welcome welcome hi hi white collar sideshow full effect what are you guys doing <laughs> Man, we're doing great, dude. Okay, so you just you just walked me on camera through the recording stuff. So for people that don't know you guys, give like a quick like, what is who are you guys? What do you do? And then we'll talk about what you just showed me. We are a band called White Collar Sideshow. Uh, we've been a band for 14 years. We just released our third album, and it's not really just music. Like it's um, it's film. It's music, it's art, and really we use all these things to share stories and help people realize they're not alone on the planet. Like, that's, that's mainly what we do. It's in this, um, we're in the heavy metal realm, 
so to say. It's more of an industrial sound. We call it shock and roll. Yes. And and yeah, we're still going, man. It's um, strange and unusual that we're still surviving doing this. <laughs> oh, man. Um, back in the day, we sold everything we owned and uh, felt like this is what the Lord was calling us to do. Yeah. That's what we do still to this day until um, he gives us a clear direction to do something else. <laughs> Wild. And it's cool. my wife, my wife. So my wife does all the management, tour managing, booking, merchandising, marketing, cooking. Uh, she, she runs the show. I don't drive and I don't play drums. That's <laughs> The only two, the only two things that well, is music. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, you he's know, I created and I, yeah, I do something. <laughs> <laughs> she literally is the queen. Like she keeps the train rolling. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I know these things about you. So I just be, just being able to like share music experiences with you in the States. But then we also got to go to New Zealand together you know, some years ago and play. So I feel like, I mean, I know you guys well outside of that space, but um, if you can talk a little bit about why, why interaction, what about film, talk a little bit about outside of just the music stuff. Like, why are you such a weirdo? (laughs) Oh man. Well, I, I, I think for me, like, as far as music goes, um, Man, I got I got into it in an early age, like second grade. I had beat the Beach Boys album. I had Prince, you know, nineteen ninety nine. I had all of these different elements of music, and music, for whatever reason, was a language that really spoke to me. Um, I grew up with ADHD, just this, and no one knew what that was in the eighties. So you were just kind of this weird kid that yeah. people were like, "Man, what's wrong with this dude?" And they're still like that today. Like, what's wrong sure. with this dude? Sure. <laughs> um, but you know growing up in the eighties, like, man, you had all these different styles. You had what, like Michael Jackson was huge. You had Madonna, you had Prince, you had hair metal, you had your new wave. So you got all these different elements of everything. And even at the time as kids, you know, we didn't see things in a box. We didn't like try to categorize like this is rock and roll. This is heavy metal. This is this, this is that, even though there's probably those, you know, you just were blind to those things as a kid. And yeah. what you do is what you listen to, you know, I, this was awesome, you know, and then you got into your public enemies, your beastie boys, your yeah. NWAs, your easy E's. Those were super popular back then. Yeah. Even my old Dana Dane with fame albums and my old LL Cool J. So yeah. there's all these things that all your buddies are listening to. And, um, and then as I, as I'm getting older, you know, heavy metal Metallica, then you get to where you're graduating high school. So you've got your grunge era of Alice in Chains, Nirvana, Soundgarden, all these bands. But then you've got stuff like Rage Against the Machine coming out, Corn, mm-hmm. Rob Zombie, White Zombie, Nine Inch Nails, like all these bands that just really took influences and shaped, for me, like my mind when I would go, like everything changed when I saw Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Uh, which, which record? What was the first record you heard by Nine Inch Nails? It was, um, oh, what's the first album? Uh, the one with Head Like a Hole. I can't remember. You're the talking name. about Pretty Hate, Pretty Hate Machine? Yeah, Is Pretty that, Hate Machine. Yeah, yeah, so good. So good. But I didn't see Nine Inch Nails until it was, um, until the Downward Spiral Tour. But Oh, that's, was, and that was huge. That was like, they were like mainstream. They were cracking uh, mainstream at that point, and they were so unique. Yeah. The album blew up, and it, and it is the first time, like, you see electronics. It's the first time you see visuals mm. with, you know, here's here's not just a song, but here's something 
that I'm playing to the song because I want you to feel this way or I want you to see something yeah, yeah. perspective or perception that you haven't ever thought of before. Yeah. Uh, and that changed my life. Like, and plus it was something different and new and it was something also where it, you know, growing up in the eighties, you had all the hair metal, you had all the, the heavy metal guys, you had the stoner crowd. And then you get into this whole different realm of, wow, this is weird and strange. And I like it. Like, wow. Um, and then after that, it was White Zombie, man, White Zombie. I saw White Zombie, Reverend Horton Heat in the Melvins in like 94. And White Zombie completely changed my world of this is entertainment. You know, it was just those two bands really that kind of, yeah, I've always been a Pink Floyd fan, you know, with the visuals. I get it. Like they were, they were kind of the forefront of those things. Queens are like doing concept albums, The Doors, probably my all-time favorite because they were theatrical yeah, Even when there wasn't a lot of theatrics to do back, they were mixing things, poetry, theater, all these different kind of elements. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and then growing up in the 80s, you had giant rock shows with giant sets. I mean, it was about putting something together where people walked away going, now that's entertainment. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of in the roots of what we do. And, you know, we don't obviously have those kind of budgets that, that mm-hmm. any, any of those bands have. But it's about doing your homework. You know, I went and saw Rob Zombie last year. And I don't know if you've, if you've seen a Rob Zombie concert in a while. Every Rob Zombie concert that I go to is a game changer. He is on top of the game. You go there, and if you, you may not even know one song, and you walk out of there like, wow, that was one of the best rock and roll shows I have ever seen. Because he knows how to entertain. And yeah, he, that's true. He, I saw like, when I was with Brian. They played with Corn like – four and a half, five years ago or something like that on a tour. And a bunch yeah. of us went to like tell people about God and just like be there to support Brian. And yeah, that was wild. I, I met the John, is it John? And John five. John five. Yeah. I talked to him after the show and stuff and just thought, wasn't he with Marilyn Manson? Did he play with Marilyn Manson? Wasn't that like, All yeah, so anyways, so just having, having some of those conversations with those dudes and just watching like their stage set up. And I was just yeah. like, man, this is like another world. It's so wild. So yeah, that I'll makes see. sense. That makes sense. All of those dudes play. All of those dudes played for Marilyn Manson, and now they're all in rock. It's like you moved up the creepy food chain. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's interesting. Our producer, um, Chris Baseford, out in Los Angeles, he does a lot of the John Five solo albums. Oh, and cool. John Five is unbelievable. He started with like Katie Lang back in the day. Like he's so he was one wild. Yeah, one of these these hired guns, and just man, and his shows are weird too. Like they're awesome. So anyway, all of those elements kind of. That's where that's where I get my, a lot of my creativity from um, coming out of that world. Uh, you know, I didn't become a believer so I was like 25, so I didn't know about a Christian world of music. Yeah. Uh, and then I think what's interesting going into writing the shows that we wrote, like when we first start, when we first met, when we first started back yeah, in the yeah. day, this yeah. instrumental shows. Um, I was just so naive. I didn't, I just, you know, you put something together that has a thought process where, man, this is going to reach out and touch somebody and they're going to get it. I just didn't realize that sometimes doing those things are not safe, you know, in a Christian element, because, you know, back then, you know, you're, well, I'm, I was younger than I am now. I was still kind of old for getting into it. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, But, you know, back then I just assumed man, I'll just tell my testimony. I'll just say this and maybe people are going to get it, but you don't realize the people who never came from a different 
planet aspect, so to say. They grew up in church. That wasn't me. So I didn't know how to do things in a sensitive way. I only knew how to do it like, man, here's some film. Here's what I used to be into. Maybe I can use this for the Lord. I feel like that's what the Lord's called me to do. And uh, yeah. and yeah, you, you scared a lot of people. And then at the same time, you had a lot of people that came from the world that I had come from that understood directly, like, this is me, like, I'm, I'm in this, you know, yeah. and then gradually growing from that and trying to do the best that you can, you know, do a better film, do a better album and keep going that way. Mm. Sort of. Yeah, I, I, I still feel like me and C-Dub, like we talk about you guys all the time. And I feel like I, I long for the day when you guys are given residency in a way somewhere where you can actually set up like a long-term show and like you get to sort of do that and you don't have some of the same constraints because That'd be cool. well, that, well, I feel like you guys would be like, to me, I feel like you guys would be like, uh, if, if Vegas had like a Christian strip, I would put you as residents of the Christian casino <laughs> and then you guys could just do whatever. And it would be like freedom and there'd be trapeze artists and like, it'd be like the Jim Rose, isn't it? And do just yeah. suspensions and stuff. It's like the Christian version of all of that. Like anyone that believes in God, but still has these kind of dynamic forms of expression that don't make sense to a lot of people. Like the freak show, the Christian freak show should be there and you guys should be the house band. So you could just do whatever you want without all of the weird judgment that doesn't really matter. So that it's like that in my mind, I go, I just wish that there was a Vegas for you guys. So you could do like a, <laughs> a three month residency and set up a performance night and people could come and just go, well, that was wild. I never thought about, I haven't thought about redemption through that lens. That was awesome. And, and not, and they don't feel like it's all weird or preachy or like lame, but just like, huh, they have to think and they get to experience something. You get to curate a night. That's what I think you guys can do. Really yeah. well. If you get the space and the time and the budget to do it, I feel like, oh yeah, I'll, that's, that'll kill for sure. So, okay. So you are a product of the nineties. Yeah. I'm still say. living in many well, ways. Right. And that's it, it. I love it. It's my favorite. I think I feel like the, the, um, 12 and a half year old Tommy Green that was sneaking away to listen to my life with the thrill kill cult, like, and just like Lords of acid and going to alternative shows and all this stuff. And just going like, yeah, we all ended up. Okay. We got it figured it out. God got us. We're okay. Anyways, so therapy's been good. Yes. <laughs> so in general, um, okay. So I'll say this then. So you put out some records. You just walked me through, um, a studio space. So talk a little bit about where you are and what you just got done doing. Yeah. So right now, as we're speaking, we are in Fort Smith, Arkansas at um, our, where we film everything that for this last album. So we film basically a movie for all of our albums that is edited to the live show. And uh, so we're at five star production studio in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And basically what, what they do here is they they film they're on a lot of different projects documentaries are done here they do commercials for huge companies um our film guy travis work has worked on many different films and did then you guys also, did you guys do the army of the chosen one video yeah yeah travis okay. yeah so okay so talk about that for a second sorry so what year was that nine 2000 2009 wow come on 2009 2009, you and Travis, Vero, 
flew out okay. to California. Yeah. We had the, the call for all of our friends from the IE. And you Dude, guys was awesome. It's still yeah. awesome. I forgot about that. I, I've been, I've been trying to clean up my mentality a little bit the last week. And so I'm, I'm watching what I listen to, what I watch and what I'm allowed to think, which is just driving me insane because I'm so critical. It's so negative that I'm like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Like I got to get saved. Like <laughs> seriously, So, but I was listening to, I was trying to just find music that would be like positive or happy. Um, and I ended up on a channel and a sleeping giant song on Spotify came on and it was the army of the chosen one. And I, I was, that's a cool song. I yeah, forgot dude. about, we did that video. That video was like epic. Dude, so, that was, talk, so talk about that a little bit, because um, I know there's people that actually care about the band maybe that are hearing for me and maybe people that have seen you guys live, but talk about that experience for a second and then we'll swing back sure. to what you guys are. I, I remember we met at, a festival, Ictus Festival, Cornerstone Festival, some festival. We were, yeah. you know, all those festivals are big family reunions. And yeah. um, and we were talking about the film stuff that we were showing. You know, wouldn't it be cool if we tag team and did a film or did a did a music video together? And at the time I was writing and directing, Travis was only he was a young dude, so he'd only done so much. Mm-hmm. Um now, man, he's got like two Emmy Awards and you know, all this crazy stuff. Yeah. So I I would go and pitch, you know, when bands would come to me and say, "Hey, would you write or direct a, a music video for us?" And I'd be like, "Sure, man. What 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 do you have in mind? Blah blah blah. What's your budget? <laughs> you know, that's the that's that's the real catcher is how yeah, much for you sure. Spend. And then when you want to spend money on a budget, I mean, you know, people are like, "Wow, that costs more than an album." And it's like, dude, yeah, if you want it done good, it, yeah, you get what you pay for. But Travis was the um, was the the cinematographer and the editor. And then we would both sit in on editing and I was the writer and the director. But do you remember it was a three day shoot. So we did yeah. one day in Eric's garage where he had that, the cool, like old, um, hot rod, hot rod, rat rod. Yeah. And I, I recorded vocals for, uh, kingdom days in that garage, I believe. Really? Yeah. I re-recorded it everywhere, but I remember recording specifically he hung curtains or blankets from the ceiling yeah. there. And I'm in front of like where the drums were set up against the wall yelling and just going like, it's, we're just in this auto shop in San Bernardino. Anyways, keep going. Yep. No. So, so we did that video shoot in there for the band. Um, spent a day doing that. We spent another day filming kind of a storyline where you had everyone was these zombies, but it was like their everyday monotonous life, like how they were seeing themselves. Yeah. Like I'm just, I'm just here on the planet. And then the last day we did the casting call and man, it seemed like we had close to a hundred people. We had three or four makeup artists putting black makeup and, you know, making everyone yeah, look yeah, yeah. where you had, it wasn't just the family. Now it was all of us together as this army of zombies and, you know, how are we going to change the world or what are we going to do to, to uh, become the change you want to see. And so I, it was really cool. Then the editing process was, you know, like how are we shoving all of this in a three minute song? And I remember, I think Ryan Clark from demon hunter did guest vocals on that song and we tried to get him to come down and even offered a plane ticket. And he had something yep. happen. He, had a he was date like night. busy. Wasn't, yeah. weren't I'm you going to have Dr. George? Wasn't George going to do like a puppet? <laughs> I remember it was like, there was something where he, someone was going to, fudge ryan's lines and i remember thinking so awesome but we didn't want to be like disrespectful to ryan but i remember thinking just george staring at the thing like it was so like new metal to me that i was like that's so awesome <laughs> that's so it, cool 
it was an epic video, but to actually have him come would have been icing on the cake for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, know what? Like, you don't you don't miss him in it. <laughs> <laughs> when I talked, I talked to him on uh, the podcast a couple weeks ago, and um, man, I had to, I have such a good time like connecting with him because it's it's just wild. Like life lifetime is insane. Just talking through old band stuff and you know, anyways, it's just such a, such a small world. Um, okay. So we did that video. So we did army of the chosen one with you and Travis. So now you did the second record. Yeah. Which, that's personal. Talk about what that's about for anyone that's checking out. Cause there's, um, uh, first project, first video was called, um, just called white collar side. It was just an EP. White collar side. The second one was the witch the, hunt. The witch hunt. That was the one. Okay. And that was connected to your brother. Yeah, the witch hunt. So talk was about the, the witch hunt a little bit, or maybe maybe talk about all three so that people can kind of hear sure. what goes into your your concepts. Yeah, the witch hunt was definitely a dark place, um, and actually, it was Eric Gregson um, mm-hmm. that called me. You know, we were on the road for three and a half years doing our first album. I had never written an album before past that, especially on a computer. And GarageBand was super helpful back then, yeah. and. Uh, and my brother was killed in a head-on car accident. And he had been on the road with us a little bit, too. He had just got his master's degree and was like, man, I don't, I've been in school my whole life. I haven't done anything. Let me just go on the road with you guys. And I was like, man, you know, <laughs> why don't you – mom and dad will kill you if you just <laughs> – you just got your master's degree and you want to go on the road with us. Like, you know, why don't you, uh, why don't you take a vacation and see <laughs> how we live? And yeah. you know how we live, Tommy. Like we yeah, still- just take, just do it for a couple of weeks. You'll get right. it. You'll get it. It's that's funny. That's funny. How many Walmart anybody- parking lots can we sleep in? Hey, <laughs> we're good. We're done. <laughs> and for anybody that's that's listening, um, our lifestyle, like we don't have a house and we don't have we literally have lived in a vehicle for the last twelve years. Like we don't have a place we have maybe a little home base headquarters that a friend of ours has here in Fort Smith. Um, mm-hmm. but we don't have a house. We just tour, 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 and we still do that to this day. And um, and so for my brother, like, it's like pack the least that you can. Uh, and also, like, we're in a different state every night. So he did this whole thing with us and flew back to Florida. And he called me and he was like, yeah, I don't think this is where I need to be in my life. And uh, so it was a good, it was cool for him, though. Like, he had a great time. And he really had a lot of respect for how we live and what we do. Um, and, man, it it was just a really cool time hanging with my brother. And then a couple months later, he was, he was on his way to, uh, he was working at a black history museum. He had just became part of the curation team at, at this museum. That's what, yeah, that's what he always wanted to do with, with his life was working museums. And he had just been promoted on the day that he was killed. And it was just a super tragic thing. Anyway, I had, man, I just went in, you know, personally went into a super dark place of man well, I don't want to be like I'm not I'm tired of doing this anymore like there's wow. other things to do and didn't even talk on the phone for a while I think Levi the poet and Brandy were on the road with us at that time you know this is no, not quite, not quite. around the, around that era um, I was just struggling with life and uh, dark place, suicidal, depression, a lot, a lot of those things that you go through when you deal with a tragedy, loneliness, you know, frustration, hatred, um, and wouldn't talk to anybody. Then Eric, you know, Veronica hands me the phone one day and it's Eric on the phone. He's like, dude, what are you doing? 
Like, you don't think anybody else on this planet is going through a tragedy right now? You're not the only one, man. There's millions of people. And, you know, if you look at your life right now, like, it's like a piece of offering. You're not going to feel these emotions again. I mean, a piece of incense, excuse me. You're not going to feel these emotions anymore. And once once the incense burns down, you're going to forget what all this feels like. You need to be right now writing and using this as an offering and, and trying to help other people realize that they're not alone. Yeah. And I, don't, you're a liar. Yeah. And he said, yeah, he said, if you don't, you're a liar because yeah, you, you can't be driving you all over the place yeah. to talk about hope and you're not, about hope and all these you're not smoking what you're selling TD. You better, better get to smoking, bro. It was challenging, man. And I got mm-hmm. up and I, I didn't even know, like I'm a drummer. So how do I write guitar parts? And how do I write all this stuff? And I went to this chalkboard. We were parked behind this, our, our church. I went to this old chalkboard, his old Methodist church. And I'm, and I'm writing like this heartbeat. It looks like a heartbeat. And I'm like, and I'm looking at it like, well, this is something. And then I started realizing, man, okay, I'll write a song that's 120 beats per minute. And then the song that's, you know, 80 beats per minute. And I started getting this diagram of this, what this heartbeat looks like. So if you go back and listen to that album, it's definitely the way that I wrote this on this chalkboard. And then I started writing like, okay, here's a different emotion that I'm thinking of. Here's loneliness, hate, guilt, shame, depression, you know, all these different things. And I had already written this film based on the seven deadly sins. And I just put the film pieces in the places where the different emotions were. And it was this huge puzzle that ultimately, when I look back on it, it's like, I feel like the, the Lord was orchestrating these moments of, man, you already have this, you already had this in place, you have this in place. And here's your heart, like, let's put this into it. And so we started doing that album. We were looking for a producer, Rob Zombie's producer at the time, Chris Baseford, who also does like Nickelback, um, Avril Lavigne, CeeLo Green, John Five. He does yeah. a lot of different styles of artists. And Veronica messaged him just out of the blue and was like, man, here's some ideas we're doing. We don't know anybody else that would get what we're doing, but you maybe. Are you interested? And he called us the next day. And he's like, get up here, man. So we that's started. Putting, awesome. Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember when this happened, but holy smokes. That's so cool. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> It's just, oh, it's just crazy. And so we're working together on this album. And what's super cool about it is, you know, I had written everything in GarageBand. So I, and I didn't know I was using loops. I didn't know what to really do. So it was experimental. We get to the studio, which we're at Tommy Lee's house. We were recording That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Okay. Yep. We, we're a bunch of rednecks from Arkansas in an RV in the front of, in Calabasas, where the Kardashians live across the street. <laughs> and, you know, they're like, you can't keep that shit overnight. <laughs> okay. Like, we Watch me. We you got a Walmart? Day. Is there a Walmart in Calabasas? <laughs> <laughs> Not in California, man. <laughs> we, par- we parked at Echo Park on the side of the road where there's 15 murders a month and oh. would drive to Calabasas. People were like, don't forget about us little people. And we'd drive back to the ghetto every night hoping that no one stole our stuff. <laughs> but it was a crazy experience because working on that album, Chris, um, Chris is like, wow, I've never like worked on something so personal. Usually I'm working with artists where it's a machine. You're building a chorus, you're building a phrase, you're building something that's a Grammy award winning thing. You know, we got to sell albums, we got to sell records. So, so going into it, um, man, we, Chris and I had some really deep conversations. Like, tell me what this song is about. Okay. And he was like, this is probably the most real, genuine, sincere project that I have ever worked on. And so it it was super cool. And then 
after that, a lot of doors started opening because that film that we filmed to go with it with Travis was a horror film. It was, um, we had a creepy pig torturing people when they were struggling. It's what they would see in their mind is this creepy pig torturing them. And whatever it is that they were consumed with was haunting their life. But by the end of the show, the pig would take the mask off and it was themselves torturing themselves the whole time. Yeah, so totally. play, but in the Christian world, if you didn't get to the end, you didn't know what it was about. And it, and it was so extreme in yeah. a way that a lot of people would get up and leave. And, and some people would say, look, why don't you show the end of the film at the beginning? So people will stay. And it's like, if you go to a movie theater, do you want to see the end of the movie? Do you want to know the twist at first? But the people that did stay, man, you, you can only imagine who comes up to you and says, that's me in that film in some way, shape or form. And so wow. during that process of the Christian world, we started finding more doors opening to different places that were not Christian and, uh, and our lives changed. And, you know, in the Christian world of touring, everyone takes care of you and there's a lot of love and, you know, there's food all the time. When we started doing the general market, man, there was not much happening. I mean, it's every man for themselves. And, you know, we well, got to go home, but you can't stay. Here. Yeah. You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here kind wow. of thing. So there, there's a lot of learning how to live almost like uh, urban camping, like figuring out how you're going to stay. We would stay at people's houses. We didn't even know it was awesome. We built so many relationships with people. And also you'd play in a club and you would have so many people come up afterwards where you might play in a Christian place and you'd have people come up and go, I love what you're doing for the youth. And I'm like, dude, I'm 40 years old. I'm not doing this for the youth, man. I'm doing it for my own sanity. I'm doing it for you. I'm doing, it for, doing it for you, grown man. You're not, you're not seeing this? Are you not watching the movie that we're making right now? God. So, you know, so that there was that process. And we toured that. We, we did it in Brazil. We did it in Chile. We did it in um, New Zealand. We did it in Germany and Poland. We did it in a lot of different places. We did it all over the U.S. And... Um, and while I was in Brazil, I started writing for this album that we just released uh, a couple months ago called I Didn't Come Here to Die. And that album, um, I had written most of the songs in Brazil. And, it, and every musical style is different. Like every one of our albums is a different taste, a different flavor. Uh, I, you know, you get older, you're influenced by many different things. Like Hank Williams III was probably one of my favorite influences on this Um going back and listening to punk music, going back and, and just listening to like outlaw country, you know, finding like you find different things where, wow, I'm living on the road. All this outlaw country songs is about living on the road, man. This is me. (laughs) So it's like, man, how do I start mixing all these different elements? Because really who am I in this? What's my identity? Mm -hmm. Like why can't I mix everything that I love into something and still make it special and still make it something that I don't want to say that no one else is doing, but something that's new, that's unique and personal and, and adding salt and pepper where different influences can. And, um, and so that's what we started doing with that album. I was writing Brazil mostly because no one speaks English and I had a lot of time on my hands and, um, and I was sending stuff to Chris, uh, bass for it again. And, Chris is like, dude, this is some of the best stuff you've ever done. Like, it's, it's good. I hear some stuff that could be different. Just keep writing, keep writing, blah, blah, blah. 
I'm writing a film idea. I already had it. I want it to be this old Western. Um, and then Travis comes to me and he says, look, if we're doing an old Western, how much does it cost to rent an old Western town? How much does it cost to rent the wagons, the horses? How much does it cost to feed horses? How much does it cost to cater all of your actors in an old Western town? How much does it cost to house actors for however long that we're going to be filming this thing? And then how are you going to find actors that know how to do all these things? And I was like, oh, man, that's, there's no budget. <laughs> there's no budget Maybe, yeah. at all. It's a movie. Okay. We're making a movie. It's a million dollars for sure. Yeah. Maybe we can cover catering. So yeah. um, he's like, so I've got a better idea. Why don't we, we've got the big white room at five star. Why don't we paint it green? And instead of horses, we use motorcycles instead of, you know, carriages. We're using this Jeep. We're using all of our actors are here, volunteers. Um, and I've been studying the twilight zone for the last four years. So I was thinking small cast, how do we use just a few characters that are intertwined through the whole thing. All the extras we use are just the, the slaves that are involved in the film. Um, and I don't mean that literally. I mean, they were actually, that was sort of the Slave. character sure, was sure. zombie horde of wow. slaves. And, uh, and a couple of the actors didn't show up that were our bad guys. So Veronica and I ended up being the bad guys in the film. And, um, and oh, the whole cool. film, yeah, it turned out. And the whole film is about the word identity. Like, who are we? Like, who are we when the titles are stripped away? Who are we when, when we're not hooked up on social media? Who are we when we're behind closed doors? Who are we in our struggles? Who are we when we're falling apart? Mm. Who, who are we in general? Uh, and what is, what is our identity in all of this? And I feel like um, what we did in the film was I, um, Veronica, we did it like a Tarantino. So if you come to the live show, I'm not trying to give it away, but I'll give a little bit away. If you come to the live show, we did it like this comic book thing where it starts with a, with a comic book narrative that leads into the first three songs, which is chapter one of the film. It's mm -hmm. present day. Another comic book narrative comes in and the next three songs go back to chapter two, which is in the past and who we were. Another narrative is chapter three leads back into the present day where we were. And mm -hmm. then chapter four is kind of your redemption, your grand finale. And Veronica's character is the main character of the whole show. Like how she's struggling with how she's trying to get away from her past, what's haunted her, mm -hmm. how she's, how she goes into the past to dive deep, how she moves into the forward where everybody's trying to capture her again and how she becomes the champion of what redemption can be and how we can try to move forward and help people realize they're not alone on the planet. Um, and so the whole album needless to say, we do concept albums. So we don't really play anything off of our older albums. Once the touring is done, we start something fresh, start something new. Yeah. And so this whole, we've done one tour with this. We'll probably do it. I don't know, two or three more years, however long we can keep doing it while we're doing other things, writing other things. But man, this is probably the most mature thing that I've ever written. I mean, the music, you know, obviously is weird and strange and different, but as far as the film goes, I don't say anything from the stage anymore. Like Veronica introduces the band. If they clap after a song, like we're like, thanks. We let the film do it all. Like yeah. it just does everything. And it's great that way. <laughs> I mean, it's great. And I know we had a conversation about this before. Mm -hmm. Like one time I remember you telling me like, man, why do you talk from the stage? Just let 
let the show be the show. You don't have to, you don't have to beat a dead horse. Like it, there's the whole thing is already there. And that's another cool thing about playing different countries when you have imagery to show. And I get this, like looking back on Nine Inch Nails, looking at, at Rob Zombie, yeah. like you're helping people feel a way, a certain way. You're helping invite emotion into what you are doing. And you're doing that with lighting. You're doing that with all kinds of stuff. But when you're in a different country and no one speaks that language, you don't have to. You're showing it to them, you know. And um, and I love where we are right now. Um, I struggled through the process of putting this album together. I felt completely apart. Uh, went back into some old habits. Um, you know, lied about some things. Had to come clean about some things. Had to make some hard phone calls. Asked for forgiveness about them. Some things. Had to. Uh, you know, get my wife, we had to get back on the same plane again. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like that's how music's written and art is written. I had to, uh, I started going to recovery programs. I started going to, um, therapy. I was struggling with suicide, depression, a lot of different elements of, you know, tragedy again, going through certain places. Um, We lived on a warehouse floor for about a year. Uh, when we sold our big rig and, you know, we had, we were a three piece for the longest time. And then sometimes a four piece with my son, Phil uh, started to feel like he was called back to new or or go to new Orleans to be a part of our church down there. And so it's just Veronica and I, we sold our big rig, didn't have a place to live. Um, A great friend of ours who plays in an awesome band, Hillbilly Vegas. um, His name's Stacy said, well, he's, I've got a construction warehouse where we do all of our, job stuff out of i've got this old room in the back uh if you clean it up you can put your blow-up mattress back there and just figure it out until you get a place to stay or a new vehicle and so we lived literally on a warehouse floor for a year and a half not a year and a half but about a year where we had a blow-up mattress and all of our stuff that we owned you know we don't have much because we live in a vehicle it's just Mm -hmm. line and we would push that blow-up mattress against the wall and practice and put it back down but it was just it was challenging it was challenging because here you are like you're in this band like man we've been going for you know 14 years and man here we are one block away from the homeless shelter literally like here we are you know lord what are we doing like you would think after 14 years things would take off or you know you'd have a crew working with you or something i mean you know all this but at the same time you know there were elements of that where where i was falling apart we were both We'd stay awake crying at night, you know, like, wow, what, what is this? What are we doing? What, what, what have we become now? And not that you feel sorry for yourself, but you, we did, you know, we were selfish in that. And then ultimately finding ourselves again, going, okay, where are we at spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, are we watering those roots? And then the twist of that, that, warehouse kind of started becoming our fortress like we started going all right we're in this together we've got the ideas we've got the music we've got the film let's start baby stepping this thing and so over time we would work through the processes of overcoming our personal life and then going here's what the lord's called us to do let's get back to our focus and clarity on him and on what we're called to do in this. And so we did. We started putting B 
piece by piece. Here's a little bit of film. Here's a little bit of photography. Here's a little bit of an album cover. Maybe we can just start putting images and, you know, baby steps of building and building and building. And man, I can't tell you how many times we would look at each other and go, man, we just can't see the horizon on this. Is the sun ever going to rise on us on this? And I remember when we got to LA and we started recording, it was starting to feel real. It was starting to feel like things are, this is, we've baby stepped our way up to this again. And, you know, and plus working with Chris, man, he, he's, he's just a good encourager of this is great. Let's change this. Let's trim the fat. Let's make it do this. Let's put this in. And we just bounce off each other so well. And and once we left LA with those rough drafts or whatever, you know, it was like, wow, we can see potential. And then you're filming and you're starting to edit things to that music and you're starting to grasp like, wow, you can kind of see the moon coming down. And you can kind of see this horizon. And then when we finally finished the album and got everything 15 months later, yeah, of dealing with it. And we don't have a budget. Like we don't, we, we are a part of a record label now, but they do all of our distribution. Like there's no money. There's no one going like, here's 25 grand. We raise the funds as a nonprofit to do that. There are people, great people, wonderful people in our life that give, that donate to us. Um, we literally live hand to mouth. I mean, we stretch dollars, but everything we get just goes back into what we do, or it goes to a tour or it goes to gas or it goes to, you know, it's not that we don't have, we have very little bills, but you know, as well as I do touring and traveling costs a lot of money beyond putting an album together and a film and all of that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's money that we have raised it's in the internet world somewhere that we never see because it just goes to things that we have to pay for <laughs> so you know groceries are like yeah baby <laughs> so but no, so- literally that process through that process i have found i'm a 44 year old guy like i don't have anything um i don't have i don't know anything I think is what I'm trying to say. I think the older that I have gotten, the less that I know about anything where I used to feel like I had a clue. Mm -hmm. And um, mostly what I try, what I have learned through this whole experience is literally the name of the album. Like I didn't come here to die. I came here to live. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes when we think we have it all figured out is the place where we fall apart and have to learn humiliation and humility again to be able to write something where someone might go, Ooh, that's me all over again. I'm always joking with people like, why can't I write the stupid pop song? Like, why can't I write, why can't I have third grade lyrics and some, some cheesy, you know, something about the party? Like, why can't I write that way? (laughs) You know, something about the DJ. I don't know. I'm I'm always writing stuff where it's, but I write from a place that's that's it. I, I don't want to say it's dark. I write from a place that's human. <laughs> I feel like because we're all human, no one's perfect. We all make mistakes. And the hardest part is the search for redemption and the search of finding freedom from guilt, shame, dishonor, um, 
feeling like you've lost your soul and your respect Mm. and trying to overcome that with grace and mercy and ultimately going, Lord, will I ever be free from that prison in my mind and not feel suicidal because of, because of the failure that I've become or not feel depressed because, you know, you've fallen completely apart. And is anyone going to see you the same way, you know, no matter who you've hurt? Sure. And then, you know, obviously through recovery programs, man, 12 step program has been awesome. It's Mm -hmm. been amazing for therapy, man. I I can't imagine doing life without therapy. My wife has been a champion for me. Uh, Even in my darkest days, she has really stepped in and go, you know what? You got this. Like we we're together in this. You have this. Let's get back on track. Let's do this, man. Going through surgeries last year, I've been eating, I've been alcohol free for over, for over a year now. Um, I've been just working out, eating right, really focusing on my craft. Like here's, here's what we're doing. Like, let's do this. Let's do this the right way. Let's get in shape. Let's, let's be, let's live it and breathe it, you know? Yeah. All over again. Like it's been a whole learning experience all over again. And, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm so thankful for the place that I'm in now. Wow. Even though it was so hard to get here and it's all lessons of growth. And that again, like, I don't know, I don't ever want things like that to happen to me again, but also at the same time, we're human and you never know. You can't, you just have to have that focus and clarity and, uh, and you never know what you're going to fall into. So so talk about this for a second, because this is, this is one of my favorite questions I've got, like, maybe I'll ask you this one and then I'm going to ask one more thing um, for the, anyone that's going to hear and just the rev kids are checking out. So how about this then? So on another, on another, um, time I want to talk with you guys and I probably want to talk more with Veronica about her jump day, right? Like I want to talk about the need for like to go on the faith journey with God. It's always wild, but I, I just want to ask you this then. And then I want to ask what we can pray for you for and I'll bring it in for landing. But in thinking of your journey and thinking of like all the stuff that you've kind of like walked through, especially even just to, since album one to album three, who was Jesus then? Who is Jesus now to you? Mm. You know, from, from album one, especially getting into that journey, um, because I'll be perfectly honest, with White Collar, when we started this journey and living on the road and not knowing what to expect and, you know, not knowing what that kind of future holds. Um, I've had more faith in my life on this journey than I did even when I first became a believer. I, I think, I think that, so I would have to think when I see, when I see Jesus at that time, I would, I would think to me that Jesus when Peter comes out to the boat or Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to Jesus on the water or slowly walks or however he does that, I would think running because dude, you're going to sink. You got to get moving. (laughs) (laughs) 
But I would think for me at that time, Jesus was someone who is challenging me to go further. So if I was, if I was in Peter's shoes, so to say, and I reach out to touch Jesus, Jesus backs up a few steps and goes, Oh, you almost got me. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. And, and through that process up until my brother was killed, man, I, I, every day I'm waking up going, wow, this is the craziest journey. I mean, how are we even surviving? We don't even have any money. Like, how is this working? Um, but it did. And, and faith is everything. And I think it's easy to get into a place where something like a tragedy happens and you completely, you look up and you, of course you blame the Lord. Everyone does. I mean, you never know what people are praying in the corner of their house, even when they say they don't even believe, you know, I was like that too. Like, man, what, you know, you question, but then things happen where it's a wake up call again. It's like, well, for me, Eric challenging me was like, man, you know what? He's right. Seeing that again, Jesus in a redemptive state going, man, come on, let me help you back up. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where I see Jesus now is, um, dude, he's almost like a, like when I watched, we watched Castaway together with the Wilsons when we were in Utah. Because they had never seen it. That's real special, isn't it? <laughs> but I, I feel like they I feel like they're the type of people that uh, being found on a desert island and like having no resource like that's like they're so capable that like that's not hard for them like they they would have built the raft like months they, they're good so like they're like oh okay like something hard we've got it like no big deal so sorry yeah so I'm not surprised I'm like well that's that dude's that- problem he has a volleyball duh <laughs> You can, you're fine. Like, he had so much twine, he didn't even build a net. That's what I'm saying. I feel like they're like, come on, man. Just think about it. Like, we're good, dude. You're off that island a lot faster if you would just. I think they they could pull it off. I can't, I'd be like, I would, I'd be, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Well, <laughs> in, in that movie, though, in that movie, they there's a, when the plane is going down, you have one of the the, the airplane pilots comes out and shoves like this. This, the SOS raft into Tom Hanks's arms. And, um, and then when that plane crashes, you know, the water starts coming in, splits apart and he pulls that raft. And then, you know, I feel like when that raft starts lifting out of the water, you know, his foot gets hung and he's just sitting there like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I can only imagine the strap, the, the, the strap of the raft gets hung. He's just sitting there underwater. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to drown. I'm going to, I can't imagine your life is probably flashing through your head. Um, and I feel like I was in that spot and then Jesus hands me this thing and I'm in that spot. And then all of a sudden that strap breaks, that chain, maybe even you could say breaks. And all of a sudden I'm floating through the process of getting back to the surface, breathing again, like being able to breathe, like maybe, maybe there's redemption. Maybe there's another side to this story again. And maybe there's hope again and coming out in that raft and still you're in the storm. Like the storm is still there, but there's somebody there's, there's the raft that's got you, Mm. you know, you're going to float somewhere. You're not going to drown, 
you just got to ride that storm out, you know, riders on the storm. One of my favorite songs by the doors. Dang. All right. All right. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so, but ultimately right now, I kind of feel like Bronk and I are both on the journey of that, that raft has been built and we're kind of floating out again. And, um, and, you know, we didn't know going back on the road, are we going to love this again? After what we just been through, is this, mm. is this, are we going to be uh, like, is this our life again? But instantly, even the first few shows, we were like, wow, we were born to do this. Mm. I mean, it just feels like we were made to do it. And maybe this is the last album. Maybe there's another one. I don't know. But at least at this point in life, it was testing the waters of that tour. And believe me, like, again, I'll be 45 coming up. So touring is, is tough. Um, we were working three shifts, living on adrenaline and, you know, eating dinner at four o'clock in the morning, like, and driving at 10 in the morning. There's no crew. There's no one there, you know, working with you. It's, it's you guys doing all the work. Veronica managing everything and that's a 24 hour a day job. I mean, there's just, so it's, it's living on adrenaline and going, are we made for this still? And not being physically fit, I think I would have died. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and still trying to move forward and not let the past haunt me and not define me. But also know that what I've been through is, is, is a learning process too, you know, and that's where I see Jesus now is kind of that life support going, you know what, let's, let's, let's go. Let's do this again. Let's do this again. I've got you, but I'm going to take about four steps back in a minute. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. So that sounds, so then, so let's do this then. So in kind of closing, this is what I'd like to, so for all the rev kids that are going to hear this or for anyone that hears you guys and their heart is in your direction, then they're going to pray for you guys, not against you guys. Like <laughs> what, what are some things we can be believing for you in the next year? How can we be praying for you guys? Well, I think firstly would be uh, focus and clarity. You know, it's easy to lose that. It's easy to, to lose that um, focus and clarity. I think also, you know, it's not just us that's, that's doing, it's us that's on the road. It's us that's, traveling and, and touring and playing music and all those things. But ultimately there's many, many, many people involved in our life. Um, spiritually, financially, uh, that have fed us, clothed us, given us electricity, given us a place to, to live and stay. Um, I pray for blessings all, all for everyone that's involved. And I know that would be too many people to name and even for us without having some form of list. Um, but everyone would know who they are. And, uh, and that's a lot of people in our life that way. Um, finances, we always need finances. Um, and we are a nonprofit. So if people did want to donate, they could go to our website and get a tax write off if they wanted to do something like that. Um, and direction, like what's our next steps in this, you know, this last tour was, such a grind i mean it was hardcore um where you know you're, you're still a band after 14 years you're still playing places where 
you know, no one knows who you are. And I get that. Yeah. But it's still challenging when you get somewhere and it's like, man, what are we still doing here? Is there any other steps we can take to get to a different level or a different place? Or who's the guy that kind of knows what to do with you when you're unique and different? Mm -hmm. And how could you fit in somewhere where people could use you? And I'm not just talking about a Christian world because we really haven't been in that world in a long time. But regardless of what it is, um, something that something that we can keep moving forward with and not get burned out, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Uh, and then uh, just creativity, you know, we've, uh, I've been working in a studio on a song with um, a guy here locally at a studio called 221. His name is Steel. Um, maybe it's an idea for another album. Maybe it's an idea for another something else. I don't know. I can't believe it's already happening. We just released one, but it's, you know, something that's like a spark. And it's like, all right, there's something happening here. So maybe something like that. Rocking everything. No, that's good. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm gonna pray for you guys. And then um and then uh actually, so where can people find you? Where if people want to hit you up if they feel connected to your vision, they want to support you guys, if they just want to know when they can come see you guys play, where do people find you? Whitecollarsideshow.com. Okay. We'll take you to Facebook, Instagram, all, all the different things that we have. Um, or if you just Google white collar sideshow, you'll find anything that you want to know about us. Um, that'd probably be the easiest way. And if you, if anybody's looking to book anything, it would be a booking at white collar sideshow.com. All right. Well, I'm going to pray for you guys and then, you know, stuff and things we'll probably, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I love you guys a lot. Thank you for taking time just to kind of let, let like the world in on your story that is potentially connected to, uh, to Rev. And I don't know. I just think whatever. Also, um, I'll, I'll tell you afterwards. Okay. So fine. Oh, wait, wait. I just pray for, um, TD and Veronica right now. I thank you for the white collar sideshow and God, I just pray that you would, um, you would establish them Jesus with your passion and that you would, um, you would set them up for uh, breakthrough and for favor. And I think more than anything, like that you would give them fulfillment and connect them with, with purpose um, in a new way. And, and I thank you for like new doors. I, I, do, I do know that like there's so much in terms of uh, there's moments where they both kind of scan the horizon, like what, what is going on and where are you leading us? And so God, I pray that you'd make that plain in front of them and, and provide new opportunities. I pray that you'd actually um, bless everyone that has stood with them. I thank you so much that they stand in the grace of a, a number of people. And so I pray for all of the people that have sown into them and who they are, God, that you bless every single one of the people that have helped them to get where they are. Um, and I pray for this new project. I pray for the film. Um, I pray for music. I pray just for um, creativity. And I, I pray for that, that sense of like the ministry of white collars to reach out to people in, in this supernatural love of God and, and assure people that they're not on their own and that shame and loneliness is not the end of the story. And that um, there's life beyond this one. And, and there's, there's value to our existence and that there's beauty even in some of the hard places. In fact, in most of the hard places is some of the greatest wisdom we can find. And so I thank you, Lord, for um, the deep that calls out unto deep 
um, in these guys. And I thank you, God, that they're not afraid of the dark places. And in fact, that they understand that darkness will never overcome and can't fully comprehend the light that's within them. And so God, thank you so much for who they are and for their lives. And I just pray that you bless them, God. Um, in Jesus name. Amen. Love you guys. So, Thanks. Tom. Yeah. Tommy. Thank you for being on the podcast. You know, it's like, Oh man. Thanks for taking the time out. And, and, you know, um, gosh, for anyone that's listening, we were supposed to do this in person. And, <laughs> and if you don't know, we're from Fort Smith, Arkansas. So Arkansas. So when we're, whenever we come to Utah, snow is not our friend like i don't Southern. so we were we were supposed to meet tommy there was a snowflake in arkansas yesterday walmart sold out of milk and bread <laughs> <laughs> and so we had all this snow coming in on wisconsin and coming in no, wyoming. I mean, wyoming wyoming and uh and we so we had we were supposed to do this early and then this the snow started coming and Veronica's like, we got to go. Get out of here. We need and we did. We outran out here. Like, we got all the way to Kansas. We drove all the way from to Kansas and beat the storm. Like, it stopped snowing as we parked at a hotel. Like, we were driving on snow. Diesel trucks are passing you. And he's like, they yeah, dro- yeah, 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 I know. Time, we don't do that. <laughs> I was so nervous, man. So I feel you. It's no, it's and- no joke. Florida. He had Florida tags, and I was like, "I feel your pain, brother." <laughs> you know, so I, I'm sorry that we had to take off so quick. No, it's really. so good. Well, I'm going to say this too. Um, I, yeah, I appreciate you stay on for just one second. So, yeah, everyone that's listening, love you guys. Hey, you guys, Tommy Green here. Just want to say thank you again for listening to this episode of the Rev Talks podcast. Our hope with each and every episode is that it would encourage you, maybe give you a reason to have a laugh, expand your capacity on the inside to love and empathy, appreciation, hopefully make your world just a little bit bigger and uh, give you faith, hope for the future. If you like what you heard, again, please share, subscribe, give us a good rating, give us some good feedback. Over all of this, thank you so much for taking us with you uh, in a small part of your day, on the drive, on on the run, you know, just as you're going about your day. Thank you so much for sharing uh, some time of your life with us on this podcast. Um, To connect with us, you can email us again at therevgatherings.com and we will see you on the next episode. Love you guys. Bye. Uh, just a quick sort of uh, promotion or commercial. Um, the, a lot of you guys know that Chrissy and I have a high commitment um, to the struggle and the fight to end uh, human trafficking in our generation. Uh, many of you guys know that we are the directors of a nonprofit called Run Against Traffic. And um, if you have any interest at all in joining the fight with us, if you are a runner or a walker or someone that cares about uh, seeing the survivors um, of human trafficking restored, seeing their lives put back together again after, you know, whatever circumstances and situations have brought them through this like terrible journey of force or fraud or coercion um, at the hands of human trafficking.
we would just encourage you to visit um, irunagainsttraffic.com. Join the team, run with us. We do a monthly digital run on the 15th of every month. Uh, pick up some gear, uh, join a local running club, and share the fight. Um, a lot of people don't exactly know how to get involved with such a big problem, but we just want to invite you guys to become part of um, the uh, Run Against Traffic community. Um, share this with a running friend, tell them about it. Uh, visit irunagainsttraffic.com to become part of our team today. Join us in the fight to not just end human trafficking, but um, recover and restore the victims of human trafficking in our generation. Appreciate you guys. Thanks.